Welcome to the VoxGig podcast. We talk to people in the developer community about developer relations, public speaking, and community events. For more details, visit voxgig.com slash podcast. All right, let's get started. On this podcast, we talk to people across the developer relations spectrum. And that includes everybody from vice presidents to people who are just getting started. And today we talk to Lewis Myers, someone who is beginning their developer relations career. This is an extremely candid interview, and I really admire Lewis for his courage in discussing an active job search. He is out there looking for a developer relations role, and he discusses how hard it is in the current climate and how difficult it is to go from having learned coding in a bootcamp to being accepted in a developer relations context. And before you ask, yeah, he can code. Lewis's observations from a wide-ranging job search, talking to many companies, are that some companies, when they're looking for developer advocates, tend to focus on the developer side of things, whereas other companies tend to focus on the community side of things. So it's helpful to know where you fit on that particular spectrum. We also talk a little bit about the chaos that is software development and how we still have to figure out how to run software development organizations in the best way possible. Lewis's experience in the military mean that he has a fresh and interesting perspective on our foibles in this little industry. All right, let us get started. Lewis, welcome to the Fireside with Box King podcast. It's great to have you on today. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing phenomenally. I'm, I'm honored to be here, and I really appreciate it, Richard. So thank you. Awesome. Uh, so we are trying to talk to as many different people in developer relations as possible. Everybody from VPs to people who are just getting started. And uh, when I saw your tweets and your activity and community engagement and all that sort of stuff, I think that is a really interesting guy uh, who's kind of a little bit self-made. Um, you've only kind of just started out in developer relations. So there's a bunch of stuff I want to ask you that I'm kind of interested in, which is your impressions of the DevRel world, your impressions of developers, all that sort of stuff. Um, but let's start at the start, right? How did you end up working in developer relations? Where did you start first? How did you find developer relations as, as something you could do? Just walk us through this, this kind of uh, life story, I guess. It's a, it's a, um, I'll try to condense it without um, without too much, but I first found the tech space. There's there's um, this startup called Career Karma, um, and the whole purpose of Career Karma is to their motto is um, bringing the world's talent to their next opportunity. And so I I saw an ad for it. So this was it was like nine thirty at night, and I remember this vividly. I was was crying and we had where i currently live that's not where i was it was a very small place and i was on the couch was crying and my kids were asleep and my wife was in the kitchen um which was also in the living room which was also the long it's really small and so i'm swiping through my phone on instagram and i'm, I'm crying right so because i don't have a job and it's not social media. It's just the I want to, I have to, I need to, I desire to deliver my family to a, a better life that I promised my wife when we got married, that I promised my kids. And so I 
on Instagram, I'm swiping through and I see an ad for Career Karma and I download the app. Second nature. So it must have been God sent. I believe it because I it, it was like tunnel business, just like I met my wife. I downloaded the app. And then that very next morning, around 1230 p.m., my first it, it, they offer live coaching sessions. And so um, where you go and you ask questions about um, well, you get some information about how you can come to the tech space without a degree. That's the whole purpose of Career Karma sharing the information that you don't need a degree. You just need the skills and, you know, correlate that with, um, with the market. That's what employers want. Yeah. You might still see, it's obvious a lot of companies are biased with degrees, but there's quite a, there's quite a few companies that could care less as long as you can do the job exceptionally, um, to their standard. And so I asked that question, I'm like, Hey, how can I do this? So I quite literally hit them with 21 questions. And, um, I'm like, well, how do I become a software engineer? So you can go to a boot camp. So 72, uh, 72 hours later, I was on my, I was on a call with the, um, the head of admissions and I had enrolled into the tech Academy for software engineering. I strategically chose that because, um, was elephant in the room, it's money, lots of money. And I like tech and I was inspired. To, I was, it felt good to know that I don't need a degree because I, even though I'm going to go to college in the next few years for my own reasons, not for a company's reasons, unless they pay for it. And that's different. Um, but I'll be, you know, I, I, this is an opportunity, something I really like, and I, it's not scary. So I went through that for about seven months, um, graduated April of 2022. Um, and while I was doing that, of course, I still have my kids. And I also had accepted a, a career coaching role at Career Karma part-time. And so I was, I wanted to give back. And that's where my developer relations had started right there. Um, a developer advocate had walked in on one of my sessions a few months in, or about a year in, a year and some change. And they said, you know, you do developer relations stuff. I'm like, okay, um, what is that? that? Yeah. Right. So, um, because I had, I had shown interest in it and, um, cause, um, you know, during my time working at career karma, while I'm going to the, the actively in the boot camp and, you know, trying to be a halfway decent father and a, and a husband, you know, 90% of my time is in that of just coding and trying to not completely implode. I, um, I, I wanted to know more of like, how can I be a better developer? Um, I graduated again in April, 2022. And so for about those 60 days, and I did receive an offer right after I graduated, I just couldn't take it because I mean, it just didn't work out. That was, yeah. that was gut puncher. Um, cause they offered like, that was the first time I'd ever seen, like, I can't believe it. It's a real offer. And right after, and I had applied to that a month and a half before I graduated. So I get to not only say I got an offer before I graduated, um, I get to say it's it was with United Health Group. Couldn't take it though, but that's okay. It gave me enough hope. And so for about 60 days, I had time and space complexity, the chart right behind my head on my whiteboard, and I would stare at it. And you know, I would just do everything I could to code. And I was a part of so many Discord communities. I was a part of so many... Um, other communities of like, you know, immersing myself, free code camp, Udemy, Coursera, um, Danny Thompson's um, Discord community, um, Python Discord communities, Leon Noel, 100 devs, like all of these communities. And it was in working with other, you know, newer developers, older developers, just trying to understand. And I didn't notice at the time for those 60 days, I was just running in a circle um, because I, I didn't notice that I was, I'm pretty good at talking to people. I'm, and I really like it. Um, you know, 10 years in martial arts, you, I love people, you know, having the, the honor of teaching someone with severe down syndrome, you know, for multiple years being looked at by the parent for like the first year of like, are you worth this money that I'm paying? 
yeah. and then ending the relationship. Not that it's ended, but you know, coming to a point where it's like, hey, come to the house, we're having a cookout. You know, and being able to teach somebody like this how to spin, kick, how to spin, jump, and kick all at the same time. You know, with someone who on paper is not supposed to be able to do that. You know, it, and then work with you know different presidents and executives of different companies and martial arts. Take that into the military. Now, how do I translate my love for people into the military where I have a big gun? Um, my environment is not necessarily conducive to um, positivity at times. It's the army, right? So we get. Yeah. I wouldn't say we do what we want, but it's not as it's, it's not as um, pretty as people would think. I hope no one thinks the army is pretty. It's not, but it's really fun. Um, but how do I take that? And how do I, these different dynamics now there's a general that wants to talk to me now, you know, a, a buddy of mine who works in headquarters with the lieutenants and the full bird colonels that run the whole brigade, you know, how do I cultivate these relationships and be professional? Um, because that's what the army wants. It, it, it's what it is. Be prepared, be professional. And now in tech, now how do I take these experiences of this grit, this hustle, this stubbornness and this ingenuity that I've developed and honed over the years into coding now bringing a full circle like okay 60 days of me trying to be a, a really good developer um in one of my rooms going back to the individual that came to my room and said you know you do developer relations stuff um like what is that so he explained it to me like really it's what you do you help you walk people through what they're using what they're doing provide resources create content that supports it create these organic relationships and build this community out in in a virtual sense or physical sense and uh, then someone else sent me a twitter space that was talking only about developer relations and that's when i knew like okay it, kind it, of it, right yeah th th that's when i knew like this is everything that i i enjoy the technical part takes time but i could potentially leverage you know my love for people my my aptitude to build communities and to to figure things out. And it's led me down this path of speaking to, you know, really influential figures, this community I've created on my, on my Twitter, it's, it's not 14,000 subscribers. It's 974 individuals that I most certainly know most of them. So that to me is a lot more impact because I know them. And I've had these coffee chats with many heads of developer relations, many developer advocates of senior level um, staffing level. It's, and it's been such a beautiful journey so far. I, I really enjoy that. I, I, one of the things I was kind of kick myself over, you know, and it's taken me a long time to, to to get over it, is just having the courage to reach out to people and say hi. And you know, it doesn't matter if they're more senior, and just just to just talk to them. Uh, something would always hold me back. I um, I've never had that problem, and. You're natural, yeah. <laughs> I wouldn't say it's natural because I, I, I come from a my, my my childhood was built on pleasing people, and so you know, for five seconds in high school and middle school, I knew very clearly. Like once my mom told or that it's a really complicated story, but once on paper, my mom when she told me when I was like five that you're adopted, that changed my whole perspective of everything. My world was turned upside down. I remember it vividly because my grandmother had pulled my elbow out of my socket. You know, as a five-year-old, you're very malleable, like Play-Doh. And so yeah. they cut a sock in half, and I remember it vividly, and they put it on my elbow, and it popped right back in place. But after that, my whole academia, academic career 
was confusing. Um, and so it was built on pleasing people because I didn't want to lose people. I didn't want people to right to to lose me. So I I had to get good at talking. And you know, I, I didn't have a father. So I I don't know how, but I innately knew, let me take the good stuff from everyone I see and leave all the bad stuff. And maybe that'll make me. So I've had for 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 a couple of decades, actually, I've had issues of like, who is Lewis? And 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 that's that's kind of where I came from. And so that's what's pushed me to kind of develop this ability to speak to people. And I'm I'm no good at speaking. I'm I'm really not good at making a lot of friends, but I like to. And so I I try to lean on that. And over the years I've gotten better at talking slower, being more intentional, and kind of talking less at times. Yeah, an important part of DevRel is always listening to the the developers that are trying to use your stuff. Uh, well, th- there's a whole bunch of stuff uh, I'd like to unpack here. So I'm just going to take it piece by piece. Um, okay. So on the coding and the technical side of things, how did you find the boot camp? And where did you feel you ended up in terms of skill level from that? And how do you feel about your skill level now? Because there's a lot of, debate about boot camps and you know how they do they help people all that sort of stuff um and I, I come at this from the perspective of having worked with a lot of self-taught developers and a lot of and almost deliberately seeking them out um i don't discredit a university degree sure you know proper computer science is is definitely fantastic to do but I certainly wouldn't engage in feeling that uh, that credential is all that important. Um, 100% some of the best developers that I have worked with, some of the best developers that I currently work with do not have computer science degrees. Um, So that's the first kind of thing I'm interested in is your perspective and experience of the boot camp and where that has got you to in terms of the technical level. And I'll only speak on my experience. I was doing this with with my at the time he was um, he was four years old, and so and, and you know this very well as well. It's um, they just don't stop. No matter what you say, if you're on camera in a meeting or in a yeah, they <laughs> must be seen. They must be heard, and a. All while you know working a very low paying job, um, intern I mentally I internalize that role at Career Karma as this is for experience and it is helping, and and you know as a father and a husband it it kind of hurts. It's like I can't even match my wife's pay, you know it almost feels like pennies. But you know having to go through boot camp and code and lots of staying up to two in the morning, it's um it felt really good to graduate. Um, I believe I could have done a lot better. You know, if I had more support watching my youngest, um, but I also had to take him to school and pick him up. Um, so it's and and with with how things are at times with childcare, um, globally speaking, uh, it's hard to trust anybody with your kids. You know, sure. it's it's one thing if if I look at my my son and say stop that. You know, I'm kind of authoritative and you know a bit stern. Um, but then I also know, like I'm I'm self aware enough to know that okay, that was too much. Let me go apologize to him. I I do that a lot. I apologize even to this day because you know 
in in the middle of this job and is quite challenging and and have still having to basically put myself through another boot camp um with with self-study um the boot camp did enough and they're, they're the tech academy and so i'm i'm happy about my experience because i got to meet great people and i can always lean on them now, as far as the curriculum would go um, i believe wholeheartedly it could be updated um, and be a lot better because you know i my current self-study it's either because i'm able to maybe i'm mentally ready for it and at the time maybe i was rushing but i was working really hard then too and that's how i graduated they don't just give it out to everybody i mean yeah you pay you naturally would expect i pay i graduate but they've kicked people out before for not doing at least their bare minimum um and so their curriculum could be updated and it could be introduced in a better way um their learning management system is it's straightforward it's just um in comparison to how I'm self-studying now, uh, I don't think it's as effective as it could be. Um, but then again, I went to the school with, with my son uh, right behind me. So it's quite distracting. Got to feed him, got to watch over him and maintain some type of awareness of where he's at at all times while I'm yeah. doing this. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. For um, sure. Right? So, uh, I'm not going to say it was a bad experience because th- these are my factors. I know individuals that have done extremely well at that boot camp. Um, but they were able to leverage family or whatever, but they, they worked really hard. And so just from my experience, um, it got me to where I am today. I'm, I'm, I'm speaking, I have the honor of speaking to you and that's because I went to the boot camp. And so overall great experience. Um, will I choose it if I had to do it all over again, would I go back to a boot camp? not just that one, but a, any boot camp? Um, probably not. No, I'd probably just go through a, I'd, I'd teach myself as I'm doing now. Yeah, and that's the irony, isn't it? Because the the, the self teaching is is usually more effective. I mean, you you are you you're talking to a self taught developer right now, right? Um, yeah. uh, you know, and it's you you often find with the people who've taught themselves that they are there might be some crazy gaps, right? <laughs> you know, computation complexity might be something they they've never even heard of. But um, they can yeah. still get stuff done, right? They you know build a website or whatever, right? Do this integration because um, it's just you I, don't know that you can't do it. I don't discredit the boot camp at all or any boot camps um, because I when I've coached before and people I want to go to boot camp, but I always give them two options, you know, because the college is never the option because a lot of these individuals are late twenties, early thirties, forties, fifties. I've even spoken to people sixties and seventies. Um, a good friend of mine is like 68. Um, he's he, he's a, he's been working to be a developer for a couple of years, um, and he's coming along fairly nicely. But you know, if if you need that accountability, boot camps are perfect for that. You know, but just like self learning, you know, you bring the horse to the water, you can't make him drink. So if you pay the money, don't expect them to hold your hand. You're paying for the resources and the accountability and the network and um, what they provide, which is a structured learning system. So you don't have to create it yourself. But if you're able to hold yourself accountable, I tell everybody the same thing. And this is how I live my life. Um, teach yourself. The resources are there. Even if you don't want to use free code camp, maybe you don't like that LMS. Go to Udemy. That's structured. And they always have a sale. There's nine sales a year. How do I know? I, I looked it up. <laughs> like how many sales do they have? And, you know, it's it's a resource that that I use. And I mean, that's how I built my game. I learned it and I've, I experimented. I broke some stuff. I fixed some stuff. And 
change this, move this bracket over here? And why is this a, you know, what's wrong with this, uh, this token, you know, all this other stuff? Like, what is, what is a event listener and all this good stuff and figuring they, it out conceptually? Do they encourage uh, much involvement with the open source community, open source contributions, that type of stuff? Some boot camps do. Um, during my time, I didn't hear too much of it, but that's only because, uh, well, a lot of boot camps you do remote because number one, you get a wider base, and number two, it's a lot more convenient for your candidates. It's just, it is. It's a lot more convenient, so you still get that that the convenience of living your life because these mainly these are grown adults that are trying to have a major sh- that that want a major shift and they're willing to work for it. Um, but to my understanding, not too many. I don't believe too many boot camps, and I could be wrong. I just yeah, I'm not in that space as much anymore. Um, but I believe, like General Assembly, I, I think they speak very highly of um, open source contributions, and they get people warmed up to start doing that. Um, uh, but I would hope that they do, at least the rest of them. Okay, so a, a different question is, uh, so tech often prides itself on flat hierarchies and almost chaotic organization. Um, whereas, you, you know, some of your professional background is in the military and it's traditionally very hierarchical. Uh, how do you feel that compares? Or And, I, and I, I'm not a huge fan of the flat hierarchy thing either. I, I've always been somewhat, um, not taken, but I've always felt that, that in some ways a clear hierarchy is much easier for people to work in. Um, I, I don't know. What, what, what experiences do you take from the, the military structures that are useful in tech, do you think? In, in a lot of ways, martial arts and the military are the same. And so since I started in martial arts, I have uh, about a decade in that. Mm. It's very hierarchical. Hierarchical. That's a fine word, isn't it? Um, I know. So it's, it's, it's like, I'm spelling it as well. Yeah. There's <laughs> levels. I'll say there's levels. Very clear. There you go. That's a much better level <laughs> <laughs> that, that you have to go through and putting the two together. And again, everything comes from my, how I feel and how I've adapted myself through how I've grown in, into what I like to believe as a, a grown man, I guess. Um, it, it comes from I have had to fit. I've made myself fit in a lot of places, which has caused a lot of heartache at times. I've most a lot of my life is spent staying t- up to two or three in the morning, not playing, but thinking of like, who am I? What am I? Blah, blah. All these philosophical questions, especially as a teenager, when you're thinking, what am I? And how can I change the world? And maybe I shouldn't cut down the little things like maybe I should have played baseball. I don't know. But <clears throat> uh, relating this to tech, and because I've worked at, at, at a startup, Career Car was a startup and developed this where um, I'm... Uh, I was their developer advocate and community manager. I still kind of am, but I stepped away at a very, um, very good startup. Um, and it's only on Discord. So it, it's I can maintain this consistency somewhat. Um, coming from a very structured hierarchical environment to here in the tech space, especially as someone who's looking to actually secure a second role, if you, if you will. Um, I like the. I wouldn't. I'm not going. I'm not going to call it confusion, but I like the constant change, especially in a startup environment. 
Um, now, I, I'm not going to say I really like, you know, at the very bare minimum, like the, the seed level, grass level, the grassroots level of, of a startup, because everyone's wearing every hat at this point. Um, but maybe a little bit higher, a little bit more uh, growth and structure. But for the most part, um, I like what I see here in the tech space. And I've been able to adapt fairly well. Uh, with how things constantly change this technology is changing and it requires us to constantly adapt to it um and since we all want to make money in, in tech we have to adapt to the market which is most certainly ever changing um i i do like a structured system just like martial arts in, in the military it's very it's routine based um but it, thinking back to it a lot of the time i even overseas, I tried to break that habit in me. Um, but it's hard to break the habit when your whole life, you know, when you're overseas and that's your life, you know, you, you don't have your family, your family are, are your battle buddies to your left and your right. Mm. That's it. And so it's hard to break that routine. And so you try your best to create, to break up that monotony, but it's hard. Whereas in tech, I, I'm very capable of structuring something and executing and following it to the T. Um, and sometimes I have issues when things are not followed to the T and, and uh, but I'm better at, at dealing with it. And hence the inconsistencies with tech at times when it comes from that, the hierarchical structure, I, I'm able to adapt to that very well. And I believe that's a skill that's necessary being able to adapt um, in this space. I hope that answers your question. I feel like I went. No, it absolutely does. Right. It's, um, it's definitely, a, it's definitely, a, a, and most tech startups are definitely pretty chaotic. Um, and sometimes even after they're successful, they're still chaotic. Um, you know, even like a place like Google, right? Um, they figured out a money machine with advertising. Yeah. But that didn't mean that the rest of Google had to be well organized. I mean, you know, you look at Google Plus, right? Which is just a crazy... <laughs> thing that could have worked, it could have defeated Facebook, but they just couldn't get organized. Um, yeah, I, I, I often compare this industry to uh, railroads in the 19th century, right? Where everybody was doing everything. There were hundreds of companies, uh, trains were literally blowing up and killing people all over the place because um, there was no standards. Yep. Yourself <laughs> software engineers. Well, you can't do that in Canada. I think, I think they arrest you if you do that in Canada. Your engineer is like a proper title. But in the rest of the world, uh, you know, it's not really engineering at all. Um, you know, my dad was an engineer, so <laughs> I know what that involves, right? Um, a lot of us are, are I think I think a lot of the, the, the problem comes from the fact that we, especially if you're really good at coding, you have so much power. In, in terms of solving problems by just coding until 4 a.m., right? Or coding all weekend. You know, you can completely screw up your project management. You can screw up your planning. Um, you know, the client is about to fire you, but hey, I'll just code all weekend. Monday morning at 9 a.m., the website's going to be working again. Right? Uh, yeah. but I'll tell you something. I mean, I'm, I'm, I'm 47. <laughs> <laughs> that kind of stops working 
that works for the first first kind of 15 years, 20 if you're lucky. But um, if I try to do that now, oh man, I pay for it. Right? It's not a it's not something it's not something that you can just keep you can't just pull that rabbit out of the bag. No, oh, you can't. I've tried. <laughs> I can't. <laughs> my my interest has kind of gone to well, how do we do things in a in a sensible way, right? Um, which is what which is what attracts me to, you know, what 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 you can learn from other types of organizations that have. I mean, literally, people die, right? If if the army is not organized properly, yep, people die, right? So you got to get, um, you got to get your your logistics right. Um, and oh man, the software industry could really do with learning how to do logistics. Um. So the other thing that I kind of that I, that I said to myself when I, when I kind of saw your engagement and stuff, uh, but I thought was really interesting was your lived experience of um, looking for a developer relations job, right? Especially at the moment, and you tweet about that a lot, which is really courageous and, and really interesting as well. For a lot of other, there's a lot of other people who are going through similar experiences, but they. Um, you know, you, you're sharing, which is, it's kind of like a build-in public thing. Um, yeah. What is that like at the moment? I mean, obviously this year, things kind of suck, right? So it's, yeah. it's more difficult than, than it should be. Um, but yeah, walk me through applying for developer relations positions. You know, are, are they treating them like developer positions where you, you have to do silly, um, you know, whiteboard coding, <laughs> you still have to solve silly puzzles. Do you have to do 10 interviews? You know, what what's what's it like out there? Um so I'll answer your question directly so I don't forget it. And I appreciate this question because it really, really makes me think very intentionally about my process and am I being efficient enough with each of my movements? Because just like we said, I just can't stay up to four in the morning anymore. I've tried it. And um <laughs> If I do, it's usually not because like I'm applying. It's because I'm stuck thinking of like, what am I doing wrong? And why did I just get rejected? But to answer the question directly, it's um, interviewing for developer relations roles starting out was I thought I had to be very buttoned up uh, because I'm, I'm coming from interviewing for uh, developer roles, which are, at least in my opinion, exponentially more competitive. Whether it's front end, back end, full stack, it doesn't matter. Exponentially more competitive, because the what I've seen and noticed. <clears throat> somebody, somebody will probably DM me and correct me on this, but from what I've seen and noticed, the average developer doesn't want to engage with people unless it's their own group that yeah. they that they, own community that they've you know cultivated and that you know they're a part of. They'd rather not, and it's not because they don't like people. Well, some don't, but. It's really just because they have no reason to. It's not necessarily conducive to their growth, so they won't engage um, on Twitter a lot or or Facebook or whatever platform that they use. Um, so those areas are, you know, just work. It's very singular minded and so very competitive. Whereas developer relations, it's very people oriented. Um, whether it's platform as a service, software as a service, APIs, SDKs, um, automation. It doesn't matter in some way, shape, or form. I've interviewed for all of these type of companies, which is crazy to even say that I've interviewed for these companies with as little experience as I have. Um, yes, but people are people, right? Communities are the same. Yes, and 
that's why I'm here because I, I, the art of building a community. I have multiple books on you know building communities, specifically in developer relations. Um, but it's it's a challenge. So how a developer relations role, depending on what company, for example, I interviewed at New Relic, which um, they, I believe their head of talent had given a, a talk, a tech talk at on Career Commerce Platform. And then I had uh, a couple years down the road, um, actually just a few months ago, uh, I track all of my roles. So I, I believe I, I had an interview with them in November or something. And, um, you know, they're a very techie company. I got the the honor of speaking with the, um, the or part of the interview process is speaking with the director of developer relations. And so, in that sense, they wanted someone that was for this role very technical. So there would be a coding assessment, and sure. they do want technical aptitude. Yeah, they want, um, you know, community aspect and people type skills. But that specific role was looking for a developer first and a community person second, and you sprinkle in your people skills there um, over that. So what I've and what I've noticed with, you know, with companies like New Relic or companies like um, One Signal or Smart Bear, uh, they'll either want someone that's community first and developer second, or developer first and community second. Um, okay, so there's like a, a split, right? Yes, a very clear split. And there, some companies are ambiguous with what they want because sometimes they don't know what they want because developer relations is very niche. Yeah, even before you talk about developer relations, you should ask yourself, do we need a developer advocate? That's always the first question. Um, and so the three pillars of developer relations, and, and it's probably different in other people's eyes, uh, especially of, of, of higher level tenure, but it's from everything that I've learned and what I do is this code, it's content, and there's community. And yes. in those three, and those three pillars, these companies that I've interviewed for have leaned on one or two of them. The expectations that you'll build the last one or the, the last two, it really depends on um, the need for that role. Um, but there is no coding assessment, at least not for the rest of them. Um, I've, I've been in interviews where I've had like five interviews for developer relations, uh, Web3 companies, um, traditional like API companies, uh, automation platform as a service data analytics companies for developer relations. Um, do they so do they know what they're looking for? I mean, are, are a lot of companies hiring their first DevRel because they know they need it, but they don't know what it is? Or have they got really clear ideas about exactly what the role will be? That, uh, through my experience and constantly uh, revising questions and speaking to other heads of developer relations and senior level developer advocates of, of multiple companies. Um, and these these individuals come from more established companies. What I've felt and noticed is that every company so far I've spoken to, they knew for a fact they needed a developer advocate. And they had somewhat of a very clear picture. Other companies, a little bit more shaky of like, you know, is it necessary to have a developer advocate? But majority of the companies I've interviewed for um, had a very clear idea of what they wanted because they they built it off of those three pillars. So, you know, either we want someone that's community, and then 
code and content later, or we want someone that's community content and then code later, or just one of one of that variation. So they've they've had some a uh, very good understanding as to okay, this is what we're looking for, and this is how this will bring us value. I, I find this really interesting because there seems to be uh, right code content and community, but there seems to be this wide divergence of what people prioritize. Uh, I mean, for me personally, community wins every time, right? And uh, I've had a previous company where the, the community stuff was literally the reason it was successful. Um, but it, it's interesting to me that people would take different approaches because, you know, what's what's the point of having a load of code examples and a, a lot of content and no community? <laughs> I, yeah. I don't get that. <laughs> yeah. I, it, it's I don't, and this is the second part. This is the second part of you know this whole experience. It, it's taught me how to be myself. I've I've figured out more of myself uh, coming into the tech space than when I was in the military. Um, I, and I, I built this habit, and I don't know if it's a defense mechanism or not, but I've built this habit where I identify, and it took me a while to understand this, but I identified with what I was doing, and it and a good friend of mine. Um, a couple of them actually have said, um, you know, you you don't you are not developer relations. You just want to be a part of it. And it took me a minute to understand that because I associated like my love for community and building with people, and you know, even just doing it pro bono, just wanted to be a part of and contribute to. Uh, to really differentiate the two of like, wait, oh no, I'm not that. I like to I like to read. I like to code just just for the hell of it. I, I like to do nothing. Yeah. Now you you are touching on a uh, you're touching on a very important mental health issue in 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 the tech space itself. Um, so with with a lot of the junior engineers that work for me, um, they've defined their personal identities in terms of the fact that they code. Mm. So if, if they get something wrong or they get negative feedback, uh, you know, or just a PR that that is critical. Um, you know, people can get very um, emotional about it. Um, and I keep on having to say to them, you are not your code, right? There's you and there's the code and they're not the same thing. Um, yep. the correlation there with um, community because in an earlier iteration of this company uh, before COVID, uh, we were more focused on events. And it's kind of a truism in the events industry that event managers uh, tend to burn out very quickly. There's very few event managers who are older than 35 because um, it's a super, super stressful job and people tend to identify with the events, right? So if you, if you run a successful conference, it's, it's like an extension of yourself. And if the conference goes wrong, um, that's an attack on your, on your psyche. Um, so I think you're touching on a really important mental health issue which i think a lot of people suffer from right which is there's you and then there's the job and they're not the same thing take pride in your work but don't make it your identity in um as someone that speaks from, from this side the other side of you know looking for that role and working to get into it for a long time and long time is relative but for me like two years it's a long time for me is um I thought I had to be 
the role. You know, the, the hundreds of applications I've submitted, you know, now just recently expanding into like customer success, customer service, because, you know, they seem a lot easier, but they're just as competitive. And it's like, can't catch a break sometimes. And I thought that I had to be, you know, if we're talking specifically about developer relations and developers, I thought very intentionally for a long time, I have to be the developer. You know, the, the key word is immerse. Like I have to be that. I am JavaScript. I am front end. I am React. And everything that I did correlated to that. Where I would dream about, unlike everyone does this, I'm sure you've done it. Dream about code. You do so much, you dream about it. You have nightmares about it. Okay. Anybody who's listening to this, <laughs> you have the coding dream, right? Yeah. <laughs> this guy can code, man. Give him a job. <laughs> It's, um, that's, that's the proof that's all you need <laughs> and, it, and, and it used to like it, i used to take that though as a trophy like yeah. i'll get a job because i dream about it but then not too long ago i you know i had a wake-up call where it's like you know, in, in many many conversations of people who 10 15 years in who are like just be i like you and i had an interview at okta and um with the 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 head of developer relations, I knew him before I even applied to the role, um, and and it was through a mutual connection, Caroline Luco, um, who has a developer relations agency in over here in Vancouver, and she's I I, I referred to her as a friend, um, and she gave me many many years in developer relations. She gave me the honor of speaking to her, and it was an, an amazing experience. Um, but from from people like her and and Corey Weathers from Auth Zero and Kevin Lewis from Directus and you know and you know so many other individuals. Like it's to hear like just be yourself. Like you you don't have to be that. Like you did you do that you dream about it, but you that's not you. And so I've been very intentional about my interviews where. You know, I'm, I'm looking for developer roles, you know, because I track my roles. I have an Excel sheet of, you know, like over 150 roles. If you include the roles that I didn't put on that Excel sheet, that's over 500 now. It's, um, I, I see the, the pattern of what is lacking as far as developer and developer relations. And so I, I'm intentional about that. Hence the, I built a game in JavaScript and, you know, I, I'm intimately ingrained in the code now and I understand it. And I'm leveraging that with, you know, my ability to understand this human dynamic of developer relations, which is the understanding and empathy, which is necessary. And, you know, the importance of build a community. You can build it, it takes a while. But if you want to destroy it at the snap of your fingers, it could be gone. And so I understand that very intimately you know, in a martial arts community, it's the same way. In, in the military, it's the same exact way. Um. But I, I take it very seriously in, in tech because it's very opinionated. The military in martial arts is very, very clear, straightforward. This In martial arts, this is your kick. This is how you're going to do it. You're going to repeat it multiple times. It's almost like Bruce Lee, be water, my friend. And then you have the military. can't agree on anything. <laughs> right. Yeah. You know, in the military, it's, this is your job. Do that. Like, quit. Too easy. How do I promote? Well, this is your packet. You know, but in, in tech, you know, exactly to what you said. I don't know. You know, do that. I don't know. Well, he said do that. And that's the principle. But the principle is also known to be arrogant and won't listen to anybody else. He won't listen to the other principle. He won't listen to the to the E8 from Facebook that just had a, a visit over here just to hang out. 
you know, who said, maybe you should try that. It'll probably be better. No, he, you know, and we get a lot of that in, in the tech stories I've seen, but I've had the honor and, and privilege of speaking to so many amazing people like yourself, sir. And it's who are very open to these conversations of like, how can we better do it? Um, yeah, I think that's the, that, that is our challenge as an entire industry. Um, you know, these days people might say, oh, the biggest challenge is chat GPT or whatever, but, um, you know, I think it's still figuring out a way to be professional. Yep. Uh, and I, uh, you know, and I, I've, I've been in this for a long time and I, and I don't know, it's not, it's not getting worse. It's got a little bit better because of the better tools, but at the human process execution level, uh, I don't know. We, we seem to be going in circles. Um, we don't, we don't seem to be professionalizing it. And, and I, you know, I'm not, I'm, I have some ideas, but I don't definitely don't think they, they kind of solve all the problems, all that sort of stuff. Uh, and, I, and they're just from personal experience. So I, I don't know, maybe we need a, we need an Einstein or somebody like that to come along and figure it all out for us. Um, it would be nice. <laughs> we need, we need a drill sergeant. That's what we need. To to that point, um, it makes me think of uh, Kelsey Hightower. Yeah, yeah, great guy. Yeah, yeah. Globally known for his impact, and and but having he has that accolade, and I was a part of his Twitter space, and the Twitter space was called Dis- Distinguished Gentleman, right? and that's when he got promoted to um, Distinguished Engineer at Google. And like one of the first things he said was, you know, he didn't really want it. He wasn't even thinking about it. Yeah, and. I, I don't think we need that. It would be incredible to have an Einstein. Um, and I've seen posts like this that'll build off of what I say. Um, I think we need someone that just intimately loves people and intimately loves this and has that servant mentality and loves to, to bring value and impact. Uh, a post that I read, you know, off of LinkedIn, even before that, like just talking to Kelsey Hightower, you would never think that he's an EA because he'll talk to you at your level. You know, whatever technical level that is, but before that, he'll talk to you like a human because that's what you are first. And you feel that even through a Twitter space. And then a post that I read on LinkedIn where this, this individual said, I want to be, um, I want to be a senior level developer and they're they're a junior. And so the manager said, This is how you would do it. You know, but at the he, he broke it down intimately where the difference between a junior and a senior. And he gave an example of like uh if I'm saying this correctly, I think I sent this to myself, an E8 from Facebook. They make like 1.7 a million a year you know but they 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 got to that point and, and he quoted saying this is the most intelligent individual i've ever met but he got to that point and, and that impact because they don't judge you off of code at a certain point at like senior level and you correct me if i'm wrong but at senior level they stop judging you off of your ability to code but it's more so your ability to mentor and to drive impact because you've already proven if you're a senior, you've already proven you can code and you can understand and all that good stuff. Now, how do you work with people? How do you mentor? How do you lead? And how can you grow and, and cultivate and bring impact, not only the business, but perhaps the further you go, expand it, uh, national, international, global level as far as the tech space. And he said that this individual from, from Facebook, this E8, had gone around, like he earned this position. And this goes to the service mentality. He had solved all of the team's hardest problems. He had served every one of these teams because he wasn't, it really wasn't gawking at anybody. As I read this post, it was, he was serving them. And so I believe 
that, you know, a nice end is nice, but it would be would be better as someone that loves people, intimately humble, like in, intentionally humble, and exhibits at all levels the servant's mentality. And I believe that then, you know, people that don't like it will kind of weed themselves out and build their own communities, maybe on Mastodon. And people that do like it will, you know, usher in, globally speaking, a very, very true to the T inclusive tech space for everybody of all levels. That is uh, an amazingly hopeful note to end on. Um, Lewis, we've run out of time. We're just about to start changing the world. (laughs) We have to say goodbye. (laughs) Um, this has been amazing and really, really insightful. Thank you so much for for sharing uh, and courageously. Um, I, I really, really admire uh, you as a person and the, the journey that you're going through at the moment. And um, keep us updated. Uh, I, I'm, I'm sure we will have a very different conversation this time next year. Thank you so much for for talking to me. Well, thank you for having me. I appreciate it. And to all the listeners, thank you. Have a beautiful day. Thank you so much. Take care. Bye-bye. Bye-bye. You can find the transcript of this podcast and any links mentioned on our podcast page at voxgig.com slash podcast. Subscribe for weekly editions where we talk to the people who make the developer community work. For even more, read our newsletter. You can subscribe at voxgig.com slash newsletter or follow our Twitter at voxgig. Thanks for listening. Catch you next time.